Hello, this is Jody Bach, and you are listening to Awakened Nation with Brad Zollis. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zollis, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, ah, this is a friend of mine that I've been wanting to get on the show, and she's finally here. Jody. you're in the green room. Finally yeah, here. I know. And this is a great part about the 21st century. We've been friends for years through Don Cody and his wife, Gabriella, uh, Tony Rubaleski, and a couple of these people. And we would talk back and forth. Phil and we even did, Yeah, and Phil Gerbershack. We even did a, a podcast series that never got released called No BS Leadership and really got to know each other. It was really like letting your hair down and, and being honest and, and truthful. And you, Jody. We're always the voice of reason on the show. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not, Brad. I'm not quite sure. But. And, and, and I was always the one to go, oh, yeah, you think you know? Well, here, we're going to go down the twilight zone. <laughs> it's a little scary. Kind of so, so let me read your bio real quick. Jody Bach is an accidental entrepreneur who started her own business, Box Office Transformational Consulting, in response to a series of career moves which highlighted those elements she didn't even realize were missing. She says she left corporate America as an employee to start her own business to help people stay and thrive. She is a speaker, author, trainer, facilitator, and coach in the areas of leadership, communication, and accountability. And we're going to talk about her newest book, Power Tools at Work. Yes, there it is on the screen. Read the subtitle, Helping Leaders, Helping Leaders Build a Strong, engaged and connected culture yes it was released uh what is this the week of september 16th released yeah, last week 6th, i think yeah september 6th and uh, jody welcome to the show Thanks, thank you Brad. i love this show this is so important this show is so important oh thank, thank you. you for doing it you're welcome well you know the impetus to all of this is i sat down with my producer elizabeth and she's also a business partner and she goes, uh, what do you want to do? And you know me. I've hosted a couple of business shows, and I just got tired of the same, so what made you start the business? And why, why are you extraordinary? This, I wanted it to just rip it apart and, and, and have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason I'm excited to have you on is not just because we're friends. You go deep. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about you. you. You go deep, especially when it comes to emotional intelligence and, and waking up corporate culture. Uh, and enjoying the work, uh, I think. What got you started doing this? I seriously am an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> I, uh, I had a series of jobs um, where I had really jerky bosses. They were all jerks, and they got progressively bigger jerks until I realized that I was the common denominator. And that wow. was hard. I know, because you had to look back and go, well, why am I so unlucky that I have all these people who can't see any value in what I can provide? And I, I had a conversation this morning with somebody. I was telling him that I tried so hard to fit in my whole corporate culture. I was part of the fitting in culture. And I shaved off my square corners all the time. And they just kept growing back. 
And I couldn't figure out. Eventually, I realized that the square corners are what make me unique, and that's what people are looking for: is is aliveness and 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 not being part of the round hole generation. And that, and I don't mean generation in um like you talk about generations. I mean like that generative um space yeah. of yeah you know, trying to fit in, man, I did it for way too long. And finally I just couldn't do it anymore. It was almost like physically impossible to stay inside a corporate structure where I was dying and blaming. And that's yeah. probably it. The blaming, you know, the yeah. and the yuck, that's just a yeah. yucky place to be. And um, I think you and I share uh, landmark. I did the landmark forum back in 2003. And I will tell you that just woke me up to me so too. much. I didn't know. Yeah. I felt like Landmark Forum deprogrammed me from all the programming I received as a kid, which said there's a hierarchy and you have to toe the line and you have to respect this and all that. And you and I have a, have a very similar story because I kept running into bosses that just treated me like, you know, dog do. And the reason they treated me that way is because the hierarchy was based on age, not on talent. Uh, so here I am, a very talented individual who understood business intuitively, and I could have helped them out of immense problems, and they just they didn't see the value. So I started almost every one of my companies out of frustration. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> totally get it. Totally get it. Yeah. I, I was running away from things. I didn't even think that, about starting a company. I just ran away from what I didn't like. I had no idea what I was going toward. Until I did, you know, until that was the reason I, I finally started my own business. But I was right. running away. Nice. Run, 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 yeah, yeah. run away. I did. Yeah. I did. And I didn't realize I was doing that. I really I really had hope. I, I, I am always in love with potential. And right. The thing about being in love with potential is that at some point reality comes knocking on the door and you have to make a decision. <sighs> Yeah, you just reminded me of something. And this is this is powerful. A lot of business owners don't understand this. So a lot of managers don't understand this. If someone's willing to stand up and be angry about an issue at work, that means they're passionate. And you, you can't sit there and go, well, we need to get rid of Jody because she causes problems. No, this is the person you want to hold on to and throw money at them because they give a damn about yeah. the company so much, they're willing to stand up and complain. That yeah. this needs to be done better. Yeah. And, and, and you know what's interesting about that? I, I, you would call it complaining, maybe. I was so worried about rocking the boat that although I was a boat rocker, I did it in a way that was not angry. I did it right. in a way that was like, I don't get this. Why is this the way it is? And I would just be curious about it, which, which showed, I think, that I wasn't as passionate as I was inside, but I was so afraid of getting in trouble or so afraid of, I don't know, not people not liking me or whatever. It was fear. It was all around fear. See, I'm the complete opposite. I'm the complete opposite. I'm I like, know, you, why the hell are we doing it this yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not thinking, I, I'm really sitting here realizing why you're so successful at doing this. And why why you're so good at it because you're very diplomatic me i'm like you're an idiot you know i'm telling my boss <laughs> if you well, don't I listen, thought that yeah. stuff i just didn't say it right i thought it <laughs> and my internal and external voice are mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, what i always loved about you is your emotional intelligence mm. uh part of this was uh, a very very high level 
-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, uh, I mean, you know, it's the hot buzzword right now in um, emotional intelligence, but what that means is you don't react. The reactive mind is kind of shut off. And usually that comes from years of experience. I used to be a very reactive person, an angry dude, ready. Why is that happening? And really what it was based on is when is the next, you know, nail going to drop? You know, when is the next, you know, and as an entrepreneur, um, that was bad. And I remember we were building my my fourth company, K2, and we were really getting bigger. And I I was under so much stress. It wasn't funny. I would snap at little things. Mm. And my one business partner came in and he sat me down. He said, Brad, do you want to be known as the guy who snaps all the time? Or do you want to be known as a really brilliant business mentor? And that's what made me stand back and go, wow, I've been an ass lately. Mm. You know, and they say that only 65% of business leaders want to be coached. I don't know if that statistic Mm. is still the same, but anybody out there who's feeling scared of this, do it. Yeah. It'll make you so much better and more effective. You want to watch your employees uh, increase their output by 80%, uh, get some training on interpersonal skills. I can't even imagine how I could function without a coach. I mean, I have two coaches right now, and I remember when I hired my first coach back in 2003 because I was so frustrated in a job. And life coaching back in 2003 was not. I know. Nobody knew what that was. And a, a, a person I knew from my gym had left. She moved away. She was a personal trainer. And all of a sudden she showed up at the gym having been gone for several months. And she said, I went to, to become a life coach. And I went, a what? <laughs> well, a life coach. And, and uh, now hear me out. She said, I yeah. love what I'm up to and I'd love to coach you. And I said, coach me on what are you talking about? She goes, no, really, this is, this is going to be worth it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I can't afford you. And she goes, make me an offer. So I made her an offer. It was really low. And she said, sold. I want you to be my, my client. Wow. So I hired her. It was so amazing. And I remember one time she said to me, I was bitching about my boss. This was my last boss, the one who caused me to start my own business. Right. And she said one day, Jody, I don't think there's anything Randy could ever do that would be right in your eyes. And I went, shut up, CJ. Whose side are you on? Oh, my gosh. what? Because I felt like I could be honest with her. And me, that was like a turning point for me. Yeah. Huh, you're right. I probably have never given him the benefit of any doubt because I'm so mad at him and I vent to you. And how does it make me feel when I just vent and I don't do anything? I don't I don't ever try to be different. I just vent to you and then go back and do the same thing over and over again. And that was one of my turning points when I was like, if something is going to change, I have to be the one to do it. Yeah. And your boss ain't going to change because no, he's no. in a power position. Yeah. He or she yeah. is in a power position and they see you as a cog in the wheel. Yeah. Um, they need something out of you. That's why they're paying you. And if anything else, touchy, feely, gooey, whatever comes out of that relationship, they, they don't really care because they're paying you like a cog in the wheel to get that done. And so anybody who's listening, if you're frustrated at work or you're you know, people like Jody exist to help you through that quite a bit, you know, especially organizations that are in transition and their corporate culture, they don't really understand it. And it's starting to become a thing before that it wasn't. Um, But I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out here. You know, I'm a baby boomer. Mm -hmm. 
And baby boomers, we had no coaching. We had no therapy. You know, my, when my mom wound up um, having a nervous breakdown, as they called it back in the 60s yeah. and 70s, um, my dad brought me home and hit me on the arm and said, hey, what do you want for dinner? That's how we dealt with stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I went out on the back porch and cried and looked at the universe and the stars and talked to God, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And now we have got these amazing tools Take advantage of them. They don't, they don't make you vulnerable. They empower you. Yeah. It, in the vulnerability, in the authentic you know, self, you will learn to be incredibly empowering. And right now, let's talk about this. The buzzword is being an authentic leader. And I feel like people are now starting to blow smoke up my, you know what, my tuchus mm -hmm. uh, with it, not realizing, realizing that, okay, if you're a jerk, the being authentic is not an excuse to stay a jerk. Yeah. Now a chance to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm agreeing. What do you want me to say about that? That is so. Have you had experiences with that? I mean, I'm sure you have. Well, this morning, <laughs> I had a conversation just this morning with a businessman in town and I have looked at him as a, a wow, he's really successful and he's out of my league and he knows so much that I don't know. And, he called the meeting and we had a had coffee and he said, I want to help you with ideas for your new book. How are you marketing your book? And I thought, wow, why would you do that for me? And we got into this conversation that was so amazing. And he said, um, you, there's something about you that's very unique. There's something about you that I felt safe with. He told me about a story um, that was part of his transition and tra transition isn't the right word, especially in this day and age, his transformation in his understanding of himself when his daughter was in an accident. And sometimes it takes a, a crucial event to have us wake up. Right. And right. he said five years ago, if you and I had been having this conversation, I would have totally written you off as touchy feely, you know, squishy, whatever. He said, this is the most important conversation we can have in corporate America now about what makes us unique? And he said, "You, what you do, Jody, I haven't put my finger on it yet. I don't know if you're a coach. I don't know if you're a consultant. What would you call yourself? And so we spent a half hour trying to come up with a term that he could kind of help me market. And we, we came up with Sherpa, um, guide, um, flashlight holder. Um, what else were we talking about? I said, I don't, I'm not any further along this path than you are, Dave. I'm not. I'm, I'm with you in it. We're just looking in the corners that we haven't looked in before. I might be shining the light just to ask you some questions, but in this, this is a creative conversation that we're having right now so we can build the bridge as we walk on it. And he wow. said, let me think about that because I don't know exactly what to call that. So it's difficult for me to tell people who would look at you as a coach or a speaker or a trainer and then let them know that it's different. What you do is different than what I've experienced. And he said, some of it means I need to be in your presence. I need to see you. I think Zoom does that, what we're doing right now. But Brad, we've only met in person one time. Yeah. Weird, but I still feel really connected. I feel like, I feel, uh, like you and I are close yeah. because of the interactions we've had. So when we finally actually sat down, and, and let me paint the picture for you. <laughs> Don, Don and Gabriella uh, Cody live out here in Las Vegas, and they're good friends. Um, and finally Jody's in town for a couple of days and they say, Hey, meet us at Rockies, which is this great pub, you know, with, with big booths, uh, big drinks, big, big food. And, um, I have not met Jody in person yet. 
and she scooches over to the edge of the seat. And before she opens her mouth, I start to realize sitting down, she's already as tall as me. And I went, <laughs> I oh, no. And so she goes, I'm going to warn you, I'm tall. And uh, she stood up and, what are you? You're like six. One. Six one, yeah. And so I was like, you talk a little bit about your basketball career, but you don't really go into it. And when I see your height, I go, wow, what a woman. You know, it's six one. It's like, and uh, I'm five nine for those of you, uh, and that's in in shoes. Yeah. Um, and so it was it was very funny. Uh, and then we sat down so we could yeah, see eye to eye again. Yeah, and it was. But you know, some people are intimidated by that. I'm not. I, yeah. I love it. Uh, but let's talk, you know, you and I have six degrees of separation. Uh, we were talking about this in the green room before we started. And that is, uh, I went to high school with Sam Bowie. And Sam Bowie was 7'2 in high school. So he had a duck to go through the, the, the walkways because his afro would get messed up. Oh but um, I had class with his sister, Shelly. And Shelly and I, I would always tease Shelly all the time because and I, I was never one of these people who went for the, well, you're tall jokes, you know, because, uh, uh, and I knew everybody was doing that to her because she was like six, six. Yeah. And, and so, um, and you should see her parents. Her parents are both like seven feet tall. Wow. Oh yeah. And the father used to play for the Harlem Globetrotters, I believe. Wow. Um, and so, uh, I grew up with this family and so Shelly, I would, I would always tease sometimes that she would laugh. She'd go, Oh, Brad, stop. Uh, and uh, I went back to my hometown about 10 years ago, and I went to actually see her because I wanted to say hello. Um, you actually know <laughs> Shelly, and again, because you were, you were playing, you were with Concordia, who were you yeah. playing with? Concordia Moorhead, Concordia Division Three School. I'm just Googling right now to find out where Shelly played basketball because I have a picture. We played them. We played her team, and I'm not remembering which team it was, but my freshman year we won the national championship, Division Three. And um, I have a picture of Shelly, me going up for a shot, and Shelly Bowie probably shoving it down my face. <laughs> um, Millersville, Millersville women's yes, yep. yes, right down the road in yep. Lebanon, and we uh, uh, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, Millersville. Wow, yep, we won. By the way, my my team won nice. um, that year, and we won the national championship. But yeah, that was so weird when you said that because you said Sam Bowie, and I I said at the same time you said I played against Shelly Bowie, and you mentioned Shelly Bowie, and I went, well, look at that, we yeah. both have that same um, thing in common. That's six, so cool. six degrees of separation. I know, right? And, and I wasn't one of these team sport kids when I was growing up. I mean, I played basketball and uh, I played baseball, mm -hmm. but I was the kind of kid that made the other kids look great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, cause I was a horrible, I wasn't good at sports. I, I got good at sports as I got older. Uh, but what did, what did basketball do to help you mm -hmm. in life? Mm -hmm. Boy, that we could have a whole show on that. When I was young, I was big, right? I was bigger than everybody else. I was taller than everybody else. I, we didn't have basketball in junior high and grade school when I was there. I'm all that old. I'm, I'm, we're the same age, Brad. And so right. we didn't have that opportunity till I got to ninth grade. And so I was just tall. I was just awkward. And um, when I found basketball, it was like my haven. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's something I could do. And I worked really hard. So between my freshman and sophomore years of high school, I, I worked hard and became a starter. And what I learned as a sophomore in high school, who was finding her own place to be acknowledged, because I was always looking for external validation as somebody who didn't have a lot of connections. 
my coach came up to me after I was looking in the paper to see my name, right? Because I wanted to score all the points, and I was all about me as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And he said, Jody, this is not all about you. You can't dribble the ball. In fact, if you dribble the ball, I will bench you. Your job is not to dribble. Your job is to score. And that's what gets the, the name in the paper. So it's not only about you. He wasn't mean about this. It was just right. a real great life lesson. And in that moment, I decided as a sophomore in high school that having a big ego was a really bad thing. And so I then made the decision that it, was about the, it wasn't about me, never about me. And what I learned in that was it's about support and it's about everybody else. How can we work together? Team. I, I learned a lot about team, but I also learned that um, I thought it was noble to be humble. And I shaved off the square corners of what made me unique. I started doing that in high school. And um, I kind of got stuck in this place where I, I wanted to shrink and not be seen. So I'm I'm 6'1". It's hard to shrink. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of basketball. I was, I was good. I was an All-American. We won the national championship. Uh, I had all these accolades. But people knew me for what I did, not for who I was. And I was afraid to show them who I was because it was easy to hide behind that, you know, headiness of being a, a good athlete. You know, I'm, I'm laughing again because I was the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I was the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, through the years, I've always strived to put me ahead of a lot of things. And I'm a pretty good team player, but I realized I had this realization last night, actually ironic that we're talking about this. Um, I've been an incredibly selfish person over the years. Um, it's time to start helping others. Uh, and I really had an epiphany last night. And part of it was because I met somebody uh, who impressed me. You know, I thought we had a moment, like we connected. So I looked her up online and she's really um, helping the poor in, in Mexico and um, going around and just doing good deeds. Good deed doers, as they say in The Wizard of Oz. And um, I thought to myself, you know, I have a shot here at the second half of my life to do something far more meaningful. And I've always felt that. Um, but uh, I always admire people who learn such valuable lessons at such an early age. Uh, so I look at you with admiration. Well, here's the distinction. Uh, so let me just throw this out as a possibility. What you and I both were doing We've come to the to a similar place right now, but we came to it from two different ways. Let's just assume that there's a way to do something or be somebody. That's I call the is. It's just is what it is. We're created in the image of a creator somewhere that wants us to experience life to the fullest. Um, and if you're doing what you did as a drummer where it was all about you, we, we might call that big ego. Big ego throws rocks in that stream of flow. And... And what I made a decision about early in my life was to be a martyr, which would be the opposite of that, which I call little ego, which also throws rocks in the stream, but they're tiny. And there's right. a billion of those same you know, rocks being thrown in that same stream. So for both of us, we are coming at it from, the, from two different ways, but our ego is preventing us from being in the flow of our lives. And now you're realizing, I want to take out those big rocks, and I've been trying desperately to take out the little rocks. But I think wow. what both of us can do is stop looking back at the stream. It's flowing. Yeah. So stop looking back. And let's say, what did we learn looking back? And looking forward, we've got the entire stream of the rest of our lives to flow in. And let's just be who we were created to be. 
in our yeah. uniqueness, in our, I'll, I'll call my square corners, you know, you can call your brilliance in drumming and being yourself and wanting now to give back and wanting to make a significant difference. I can step into my light instead of staying in the shadow. And together we can actually be 100, 100, not 50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because, um, I was the kind of leader that I expected the best from my team, mm -hmm. but I would also throw money at you to make you better. Mm -hmm. you know, so I wasn't a complete, complete jerk that I could be oh, at, at times, yeah. but you know, I, I really, I think my skill has been to see so much talent in people who don't know they have talent. Yeah. And I've actually helped people who are so not even in the light of, of understanding that, that they can't make that step. And that's where I get the most disappointed. When I see somebody who has a huge potential to write a book, to be a speaker, um, to really command a $100,000 a year salary without effort, um, but they don't believe in themselves. That's where I get the most disappointed. How, how about you? I mean, I'm sure well, you coach people that don't believe in themselves. I'm sure we're, that there were very, very similar because of the same thing. That's where I get my heart broken all the time when I want something more for someone than they want it for themselves. Wow. Because I too have been in love with potential, right? Potential is maybe someday. And I have, I have learned and continue to learn that capacity is where it's at. Today in capacity, I have the opportunity to, to take a look at whatever I'm working on and is the, can I give 100% to that in whatever the vessel is I'm talking about? If it's a brand new opportunity, it might be a small vessel. But 100% is still 100%. I can give right. everything I can with what I know. And as I expand, 100% of a, of a 2-ounce glass is still 100%. 100% of a 20-ounce bottle is 100%. That's right. capacity right now today. I can build my capacity right now today, and I don't have to worry about someday potentially. And right. so if we can just be present with the people in our lives as they are right now in the present capacity, I think that my wanting something for someone else is more about me than it is about that person anyway. Right. Well, that's, that's a tough lesson in detachment, uh, but also about unconditional love. Because yeah. we, we do what we do. I, I think you do what you do because you love it. Yeah. You love people. You love this. Um, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, what are your websites and anything that we yeah. can get so a hold I just of you? Created a new website, jodybach.com, where I'm putting a lot of the things that I'm up to together in that one website. So Box Office is my company, B O C K apostrophe S Box Office, um, and I I will always have that. Yet that's one thing, and then I have LifeWorks University, which is another thing I'm up to. Um, my books, uh, what I'm up to in my speaking world. My, there will be other things that I don't even really know yet, but it should all come under jodybock.com. So you can find me there, J-O-D-E-E-B-O-C-K.com. Yes, remember that spelling, J-O-D-E-E-B-O-C-K. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you and I and Don and everybody else in our circle bonded over Napoleon Hill. Mm, yeah, And I am always astounded. People, if you don't know who Napoleon Hill is, he was probably uh, one of the very first uh, American uh, self-help gurus. He taught people during the Great Depression how to think and grow rich, you know, by using your mind, using your brain. And he wrote the book, Think and Grow Rich. And he also had, uh, there it is, ta-da. She's holding it up to the screen, Think and uh, Grow Rich. Let me show you something in this version that I read. Can you see that? 
Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. You get a testimonial in there. Wow. That's great. On this book because I buy it in bulk because I, I facilitate group studying this book for 12 years. Yes. Group study. Now people don't understand that book is not a book you read once. That is a book you study. And I even said to my ex-wife, uh, when we were married, I I would be reading it and I go, this guy's a master. This guy's a spiritual master because he understands energy. He understands uh, belief in yourself, the law of magnetism. Uh, you know, you have to have a burning desire. You can't just want something. You have to, it's got to be in your loins all the way down to the bottom. So let's talk about Napoleon Hill. And I am shocked at how many people in America don't know who Napoleon Hill is. That's so funny. I, in my world, everybody knows him. So I, I don't even really think about the fact that that could be a new, a new awakening for people. Um, what I know about Napoleon Hill is that he was, okay, so I read and studied this book, and then I realized there was another book that came out, in, or that was written in 1938. This one came out in 1937. 1938, he had another book called Outwitting the Devil, which yes. didn't get released until 2012 because it was so controversial. Yes. And what I learned about Napoleon Hill from that book was my story. Do you know that story, Brad? Do you know Outwitting the Devil? Oh, yes. That story, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know this, you know, some people have called Napoleon Hill a huckster and all kinds yeah. of stuff, but the reality is, is he worked his ass off yes. to try and bring people the principles that could help them be successful, the common person. And he interviewed 500 of the most successful men of their, their day and age and took the secrets out of their minds and put it into the hands of the common folk. Right. And when you read the book, you're like, wow, this is incredible, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you know, you hear all kinds of stories about the legend and the man, but it was outwitting the devil. I was asked to speak at a Napoleon Hill conference. And on day two, I was asked to speak about the chapter on doubt in outwitting the devil. Now mm-hmm. outwitting the devil he spends the first part of the book explaining how he was on the lamb, how he was misunderstood, how he was broke beyond belief, and he was scared to death because the Chicago mob was going to come kill him uh, because they thought he was involved in, in a scandal there, and he wasn't. He just happened to have a meeting on that day when everything broke out. So he was living in the basement of his in-law's house with a gun by his side because he was afraid they were going to come kill him. Mm-hmm. And he was so destitute, he had to borrow, uh, I think it was $100 to yeah. go to New York. And here's the weird part. He got an inner nudge out of nowhere to tell him to go do that. He got there. The inner nudge told him to rent the most expensive room he could in New York City. Uh, and then it said, trust that you will meet the right person. And that person not only... Um, met with him and gave him $20,000 check to publish his next series of books on success principles. Now, if you know anything about mathematics and the cost of living, $20,000 in 19, whatever it was, 30s or whatever, yeah, that was like giving somebody, let's see, six times, seven times uh, 20000 That's like just handing somebody a $200,000 advance, mm-hmm. 150 to $200,000 advance on your book, going from dead broke to $200,000 just to have the right to publish these books. 
And so Napoleon Hill was always somebody who made a fortune, lost a fortune, and made a fortune. And when he died, I think he was worth around $4 million at the time. But um, the Napoleon Hill Foundation is out there. Um, all this knowledge is out there. But here's the crazy part. I, real, I mention this all the time. A lot of people don't know about Napoleon Hill. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. They don't know about him. And there's probably six or seven different publishing houses right now that have published Think and Grow Rich. You go to any Barnes & Noble, any store, there's seven editions on the shelf. Right, right. It's, it's incredible. I, I facilitate groups studying this book in groups of 10 over an eight-week period. And I am so grateful that I met Bob Proctor back in uh, 2007, eight, and I had an opportunity to learn from him. So he was connected to Earl Nightingale, who was directly connected to uh, Napoleon Hill. So I keep going, I'm only like five steps removed. Well, then I met Ben Gay, and wow. Ben Gay third actually was mentored by Napoleon Hill. Yes. So I have a picture of me with Ben Gay. Now I'm only two steps removed from Napoleon Hill, and it's just amazing to understand that the principles we're studying even now in 2019 are so applicable to what he talked about in 1937 right There's so much it's in the mindset it's in your mindset it's what you like you said well, earlier desire you got to know what you want first of all uh think and grow rich is sort of the foundation and the outline to creating success for you personally mm -hmm. You, and you have to read it over and over again to find the secret because there's a big secret in it. The movie and the book, The Secret, is based on Napoleon Hill's Law of Magnetism. Mm -hmm. They called it the Law of Attraction. And when you read Outwitting the Devil, which had been suppressed for 75 years, his wife and family begged him not to publish that book because they would have taken torches to his house right. because the knowledge in there is so controversial and he uses a literary um, tactic where he pretends to be a lawyer and he somehow is able to bind the devil and he puts him in a, a chair as a witness and he says how do you get away with this and he goes i get away with it all the time we don't see you you it's impossible he goes no i do and he goes through the school system he goes through the political system he goes through um th this th this rhythm, and he calls people who um, uh, just go through life drifters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a nice term, <laughs> but those who step up and out of it, a lot of people in this world get caught up in. While well, you get the right job, you pay your taxes, you just live your life. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but know that there's a rhythm that. Hypnotic um, rhythm. A hypnotic rhythm, the government, the school system, the corporate, the corporations, uh, they're all trying to put you to sleep. And that's why this book is so controversial. What impacted you the most from uh, Outwitting the Devil? Oh, I, I listened to the audio first. So the oh, wow. audio, if you listen to it on Audible, it's so great because the devil has wow. this double voice and it's just <laughs> awesome. That Napoleon Hill was um, the first part of it that you mentioned before about how he said, here I am, the, the, the keeper of the keys to the kingdom of all this amazingness with Think and Grow Rich, and I'm not living my own uh, knowledge of this. Right. I'm not actually doing what I know to be doing. And that resonated so strongly with me because I had, at the time when I first understood this, done the same thing. 
And I still do. I mean, there are times I don't do what I know. I'm not walking my talk all the time. And I thought, right. wow, it does. It happens to everyone, apparently. And so it gave me some comfort to know that I don't have to be perfect because I find myself to be a recovering perfectionist. And every time <laughs> I can yeah. let myself off the hook a little bit, it allows me a little bit more grace to be me. So in in everything about that book and how current it seemed to be and how he talked about, like you said, the school system and all these things he talked about with the devil's um, perspective, from the devil's perspective, so relevant. But probably for me, the most impactful was who Napoleon Hill was being. Yeah. That was surprising how honest he was. He says, hey, here I am, supposedly the leader of the, you know, get rich movement, the the self-help movement, and I'm broke and I'm living in a basement and I'm, you know, petrified. Mm -hmm. And his in-laws, you know, thought he was a loser. They really did. And, um, and I guess it was his brother-in-law who gave him the, what was it, 60 bucks? I think it was 50 bucks. And he just had enough to pay for the train, get the best hotel and get out of town. That was it. Mm -hmm. um, not even enough money to really eat. They, they, you know, he talks even in detail about that. And that's rare for Napoleon Hill to talk about himself in that way. That's what made it so yeah. uh, raw. Right. And for those of you who are speakers and coaches and you're trying to launch your business and you're talking the talk, and you feel like you're suffering from imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. go pick up a copy of yeah. Outwitting the Devil because your thought process and the reality may not always line up today, but it will eventually. Mm -hmm. And that's the exciting part about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the LifeWorks University, which leads us in from Napoleon Hill into LifeWorks University. Tell us about it. Uh, so back in... 2008-7 when I was studying Think and Grow Rich, I, I put out a newsletter and my newsletter talked about how I'm doing these mastermind groups and um, studying Think and Grow Rich and people must have done Google searches or something. Did we have Google in 2008? Yeah, whatever they searched. Yes. They, they searched and found me. Greg Reed is somebody who found me. You're Greg, kidding. No, so he's he found me. I didn't know who he was and he came to Fargo and he was going to, he spoke to my group. I had a hundred people in the room and he came and told us about his project and I didn't know who Greg Reed was, yet now Greg Reed is one of the only people who is um, endorsed by the Napoleon Hill Foundation and oh, yeah. written a new book now. Him so, and Sharon Lecter, I believe. Yeah. yeah. They're the only two. So he came to Fargo, and I thought, well, uh, who am I, little nobody? But I was into thinking Grow Rich. It was really important to me. Don Cody found me the same way. Actually, that's not exactly true. Um, that came later. I met Don Cody when I was freaking out about my business, which I just started in 2005. 2006 in the fall, I'm like, you know how when you're first starting out and you're like, I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. I couldn't sleep one night. Yeah. Looked at an infomercial on TV and it was one of those infomercials that said, coming soon to your town, you can learn how to get government grants to run your business. And I thought, well, I need that. So I signed up, went to this free thing and Don was the instructor. No in kidding. Fargo. No, and I went up to him during a break and said, I don't really care that much about what you're talking about, but there's something about you and the way you're teaching it that I'm really interested in. And so we got connected there, but then we sort of fell out of touch for a couple of years and he was on my mailing list. And that's when he found out I was doing Think and Grow Rich. And he said, hey, I've got this thing called LifeWorks University that I've been working on for a long time. Do you think you could get some people together to do this for a weekend? I said, sure, sure, we can do that. Do this, whatever that is, do this. <laughs> and it was a weekend deep dive into the vision for your life. You have to visualize your future, otherwise you're a drifter. 
And right. you have uh, burning desire, and many people don't. So the first step of LifeWorks is to figure out what is your vision for the life of your dreams. And then Don's program, system, whatever, takes it, breaks it down into eight areas of your life that if you were on purpose, you could make a significant difference in the areas of um, success education, um, wealth and income, romantic relationships, health and wellness, uh, relationship and communications, lifestyle management, fun and recreation, and eventually life purpose. So those eight areas are broken down. And so I said, sure. So he came to Fargo three times in 2009 and 10. We put about 80 people into that class through three different sessions, started understanding this process of getting clear and getting on purpose about your life. And now in the last couple of years, Don has actually taken that to the next level where we're able to connect with people over Zoom and places like right. we don't have to be in person to do the same kinds of awarenesses and putting systems and um, monitoring what you do with your life so that you don't just drift. You're on right. about things. And so that's what LifeWorks University does. If you feel helpless, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are listening, if you feel helpless in life, guess what? Things like LifeWorks University, and by the way, Jody is a facilitator at LifeWorks University. She uh, is a trainer. She can help you. Uh, you can have control over your life, mm -hmm. but I think we've been taught and we've been beaten down in the school system and things like this to kind of say to ourselves, oh, you know, I could never be on TV or I could never be an author and I could never do all this stuff. And I'm one of those weirdos. I always said, yeah, I can be on TV. I can write a book. You know, uh, it, it was just my, my father was a crushing individual, so I had two choices, either because have low self-esteem or make up fake high self-esteem, sure. one or the other. Right. So I'm telling you, you can do and create the life of your dreams if you get the right coaches on board. And people like Jody at LifeWorks University um, is just a powerful reflection of living that potential in you. And there are skills and tools that you've never been taught. Yeah. Trust me, you've never been taught. And guess what? There's a group of people out there that have them in spades and they utilize them every day. They mm -hmm. teach them to other people. And it's exciting uh, to watch some of your students grow. I, yeah. I, mean, I, I have dinner with Don and I, I got to tell you, he's so excited every time he talks about new students and new people coming on board. And, and you're kicking ass over there too. I, I, I know the work you're doing. So yeah, what's, so what's the most fun? What's the most fun that you're having with this? This new book, I'm telling you, this new book, I have been using the principles of this book with clients recently since about May, May of this year. Yeah. And going into organizations and giving them some ideas about what they can do on a regular basis to engage their, their people and yeah. then watching what they do, you know, being able to be with them regularly because normally as a speaker I mean, you might know this brad you go speak at a conference or you go do something and you whip people up and then you leave and you yeah. never really know if your impact was felt and, and, and i hate that i, I actually know. hate yeah. that because yay monday they forget everything yeah, i just taught i know and so i love that i have been working with this one organization that i used as a pilot for this process and i have seen results and it's so nice. much fun to know because remember I'm the uh, me of low self-confidence me yeah. who doesn't believe that my impact is really valuable because I've got these bosses that have told me I, I have nothing of value to offer so when I can see what happens when I witness their engagement then I get confidence to go okay there's something to this there's something to this what we've got 
place here. And by the way, I, lo I love the design of the book. Uh, yeah. If you work in HR or you're an executive and you want something on board, go pick up Power Tools at Work, Helping Leaders Build a Strong, Engaged, and Connected Culture by Jody Bach. And, and Brenda, Brenda is my She's my graphic designer, and she, it was her idea to even put this into a book. So she did a great job of the design of this. She book. did, and I love the book. Pick it up. Uh, start with the principles, and also get Jody into your organization because uh, this is ongoing. She can help yeah. you train and train the trainers and keep right. everybody this, on task. This will turn into a facilitator's guide. So on the website, if you go to powertoolsatwork.com, there's a tab there that says become a facilitator. We're not there yet. This just came out last week. We will be designing an ongoing uh, facilitator's guide for this as well. So you can actually do this inside your own organization. You don't always need to have me do it. This is incredibly powerful. Powerful because I think what's happening it, it power. Power, you know, yeah, power tools <laughs> that make you empowered at work. What makes this exciting is we are entering into a new phase in the corporate culture that looks at humanity not as a cog in the wheel anymore, but as contributors to the overall success of the company. Yeah. And we walked away from that over the years. And I think the reason we're being forced to do this is thank you to the millennials who mm -hmm. stood up and walked away. Mm -hmm. When they didn't get what they wanted, they stood up as a group en masse and walked away. Mm -hmm. And corporations sat there and went, but wait, we're offering salaries and we're offering this. And yeah, but you turned your back on people starting in 1974. You walked away from dedicating yourself to the people of your organization. How do you win them back now? Mm. And power tools, pick it up. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so that they can order the book right. uh, directly through you or at Amazon. Either way, Amazon's easier. But I'll tell you that if you order it directly from me, you can have a spiral bound version, which is kind of cool because it, it's look at that. That is, you know, the, tell her her design is fantastic. I will from another graphic designer. Hello. Yeah. 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 Brenda did a great, great job on that. Phenomenal. She did. She did. And the so, inside of the book, I'm telling you, it's beautiful. So what, what Brenda did, where I thought we should put um, quotes, just, you know, pick out a, a, a Albert Einstein quote. She took quotes from me and, and made them <laughs> graphic quotes. Wow. So Share your opinion with the intent to create dialogue. Yes. Wow. That's and incredible. Then she made these little memes. So actually, you can use this as a little meme somewhere. We're going to make postcards that we can send out with some of these ideas that are from me. Energy is the missing link between your ambitions and your ability to experience whatever you truly desire. Jody Bach. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Well done. And, um, and I know for a fact that it's a fantastic read and it's... Um, the, you know for a fact. You're just Yeah, because I, I trust in you because <laughs> you give a damn about people and your strategies and your tools work. I mean, through the years you you've given me plenty of strategies mm -hmm. and tools and I went, Wow, she's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know what's cool, uh, Brad, is when you yeah. can be in the space of other people who allow you that open space to create dialogue as opposed to discussion, where we agree to suspend previous assumptions in order to learn from each other. That's the beauty of 
people coming together in a spirit of harmony for a chief definite purpose, which is when the mastermind is invited in, which is what that's, Napoleon Hill told us. That's what a mastermind is. Yes, Napoleon Hill coined that phrase that when two or more people to come together for a purpose, it takes on a, an independent mind of its own that helps support the group. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and you get answers out of the ether <laughs> all of a sudden. So... Uh, in closing, I'm going to ask you one question that's going to make everybody go, wow, what's your, what's your perfect day look like? Hmm. I would be, uh, it's, it hasn't happened yet because I haven't done it yet, but I think I would be in a village somewhere in Europe or, or a foreign country that I haven't been where I could just wander into a pub and find somebody to engage in a really important conversation. And then do that again. And then go sit on a beach. There you go. And uh, in closing, please tell us about Sweet Adelines. <laughs> so I sing with a Sweet Adeline chorus in Minneapolis, which is four hours away from my home in Fargo. So I travel for weekly uh, rehearsals. And we sing in a barbershop chorus where we're aspiring to be in the top 10 next year at our international competition. We're in the top 10 now. Yet we want to make, make it into the top five. So we're a competitive barbershop chorus. Who knew there was such a thing? <laughs> Thank you so much, Jody Bach, everybody. Hello. Thank you so much for being on Awakened Nation. Thank you, my dear. Thank you, my friend. Take Have care. a good one. Take care. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week.